Warrakuna is the only police station run by Indigenous officers. Has she been to the clinic? All right, she needs to go to the clinic and get checked out and they can do a report for us too. I don't think you can police effectively if at least you don't try to learn languages where you are. So Jilku is child. So Jilku Nintila is give me the child. But well, we don't take any children. <laughs> Not today. We got a call saying that there'd been a fellow that had come off his motorbike about 20 odd k's down the road. Warakuna Poosh, brother speaking. She had a young mum go to the school and she left her little child and, and walked off. She might be walking around the community somewhere. She had that blue shirt, T-shirt on, isn't it? Yeah, and, and great track bands. Oh, what are we going to do with this baby? Aches and pains. Aches and pains, and that's what it's for. In language, what is this called? Yirmanga, Yirmanga. Yilmanga, Yilmanga. Yo, wow. I need to learn the culture, learn the respect, learn the language. So, by learning your ways and you coming out here and learning my way, yes. it's like we learning two ways together. Yes, together. That's the trailer for Our Law. Hello and welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. My name is Matthew Eels. In this episode, I'm joined by Our Law director Cornell Ozies and producer Taryn Lafar to discuss this really insightful and completely engaging half-hour documentary. Our Law is set in Western Australia's first Indigenous-run police station, where two officers, Senior Sergeant Revis Ryder and Sergeant Wendy Kelly, learn language and culture to help them police one of the world's most remote beats. Our Law will be available to stream during this year's virtual Sydney Film Festival, held from the 10th of June till the 21st of June, and Our Law will also be available to watch on NITV from June 22. Anyway, enjoy. Cornell and uh, Taryn, it's great to have you with us. Uh, Thanks for joining the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Hey, uh, I'm used to interviewing filmmakers about feature films. Uh, So speaking to a couple of filmmakers about a half-hour television show is something new to me. But uh, what I took away from viewing uh, Our Law is that it packed just as much uh, of an emotional wallop than some feature films managed to pack into two hours. So congratulations on it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Another thing that I thought uh, after watching Our Law is that I didn't look at my phone once. And in these particular times when, uh, you know, we're all sitting at home consuming content, uh, I think it's a great sign that that a show is fully engaging when you don't look at your phones. So, (laughs) um, you you, you guys have created this real... engaging uh, quality nugget of television here and it's something that you both should be very proud of we, we are very yeah, proud thank of. you we are yep um it's an important piece 
It really is. I want to start with uh, something that's going on in the world at the moment. You know, there's a lot of protests both at home and overseas. And our law is a great example of what can happen when police and the community work together as one. Uh, do you find yourself reflecting on that aspect of this documentary when you see footage on the news of, uh, of cities essentially burning to the ground in the US? Very much so. Um, we... While we were filming, actually, um, uh, Miss Clark, the lady in Geraldton, was shot by a police officer. So at that point in filming, I believe we were like two or three days into filming, and we received the news about that. And I, I think at that point, we realized how important the doco really was to um, tell that that um, the positive good story of uh, the police attempting to repair a broken relationship that has, you know, been there for many, many years. It really reminds us, or or pushes to the to the top of of our minds, how important it is that we work with Indigenous police officers, um, because they that there's a, a definite understanding about the cultural um side of the of the relationship mm. or an or a, a respect. So it's been. A strange week um, viewing it because, you know, we are Indigenous people and we have, there is that legacy here, mm. but it makes us feel more proud and determined to make sure that we get this um, film out there mm. to say that there are really important good ways of working with people to avoid some of the big problems that we're seeing in America. Mm. And this is a really a big eye-opener to a different way of doing business. For us, we take some things for granted on the Indigenous side where we, we naturally, when we go to a different part of the country, we will always show respect for that, for those people in that country because we instinctively and, in, and grow up with the knowledge that that's not our country. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a good way to, to come into a new way of thinking for non-Indigenous police people, rather, um, when working with Indigenous peoples and communities. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's go back to the beginning of your respective careers. Uh, Cornell, your family owns a production company, is that right? Yes, uh, a production company up in Broome, uh, based in Broome. Is, so, is that how you got started in the industry? No, I started at my local uh, television studio in Broome called Glari, Glari Media, which is... Um, an Indigenous-run television station that has sort of a broadcast radius of like 150Ks from the, the transmitter. So it just broadcasts to the Broome region, really. And that was where I basically cut my teeth. I was a video editor. So I used to sit in the dark cave and edit, you know, all these wonderful stories and see... Um, you know, these great locations, great talent, and, um, you know, I'm stuck in this dark room. And, you know, I, want, I wanted to get out there and tell stories and tell my, my, my perspective on stories, and I became a director slash cinematographer. Mm-hmm. And um, I came over to Sydney, did my graduate diploma at Afters, which was um, cinematography, and um, been stuck in Sydney ever since, making... <laughs> films <laughs> that's not a bad thing though is it <laughs> no no it's great um so what are the kind of stories that you want to tell going forward uh uh the stories i want to tell going forward well mainly my bread and butter is documentary so 
I like to tell the story of my people from my region, which is the Kimberley region. Um, but now, since I've been in Sydney, I've now ventured into drama storytelling. So I'd like to, you know, shoot some more short films and hopefully one day a feature. Mm. Uh, I've got to ask you about uh, working as director's attachment on Thor Ragnarok uh, with Taka Watiti. Mm. What did you take away from that experience? Oh, um, I got to sit down and listen to a lot of his mistakes. So, <laughs> yes, yes. So he, he um, you know, he, he steered me in a direction like, this is the mistakes I've done. Mm-hmm. Please don't repeat them. Mm-hmm. And um, generally, a lot, of, a lot of the discussions on set was about culture mm-hmm. and, um, you know, similarities between his culture and mine, um, you know, depression, the, you know, all that. Um, you know, political stuff. So it, he's, you know, well-versed because he's he's a prolific reader. So he knows a lot of history about us mm-hmm. as well as, you know, his people. So it was it was great just learning that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taryn, your uh, resume is endless with a variety of creative roles on television shows like The Circuit and uh, films like Stone Bros, uh, Brand New Day and Mad Bastards, which is one of my favourite Australian films. Uh, can you tell us how you got mm-hmm. uh, started in the industry? Yes, absolutely. Well, I, I come from a visual arts um, background, family, and my first doco, I basically um, I sort of had had an understanding of what the Wanjina was and who were the custodians for that um, symbol and power was. So I, it, my first doco was on the graffiti of the Wanjina in Perth. So it was very much informed by sort of a visual arts and a um, background so that was my first project as a writer director um and then at around the same time um my ex-partner actually was a boom operator and I saw a script on his desk for the circuit and I read a few pages of it and immediately recognized that it was an Indigenous lead in a TV series and I pretty much shifted from that moment I went from the visual arts world and to screen industries because I realised how history-making that was yeah. with um, Aaron Pedersen playing the lead in the circuit mm. and I kind of haven't looked – and that was in the capacity of uh, of extras casting mm. and that really worked for me because um, Cornell is actually my cousin and, right. um, um, yep. <laughs> yes, we're related. <laughs> our great-grandmother great my great-grandmother and his great-grandfather are brother and sister. Mm. Um, but anyway, so I had that <laughs> – so, and, and and the circuit was shot in Broome, so it was yeah. a way of me going back because I was based in Perth. It was about, about going back and engaging with my community and people and the Broome um, TOs, the Jugan and the Yarrow people, and getting them engaged in, in this TV series, which changed everything. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of, with those other films, I because I really appreciate engaging and working with local people mm-hmm. in projects. So I... So I did a lot of extras casting on those feature films that you mentioned. Mm. And, then I, at the, and then I started to forge into producing when I realised the first doco that I did um, as a writer-director that the producer um, had the rights. Mm. <laughs> and that sort of shifted my mindset because I come from the visual arts. You think that the creative has a bit more control. So it was no. a big learning curve. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's been producing for about the last, ooh, uh, 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 um, probably about the last 10 years. And it all seems to be WA content for you. Is is that something you want to continue with going forward to uh, making content in Western Australia? I am definitely West Australian centric. Mm. 
um, with my and I, but there's the need for to have Indigenous producers here in WA yeah. is is large. Yeah. We, so we've got a big state and numerous stories, both on scripted and unscripted sides. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty loyal to WA, although definitely invested in working with and around Australia yeah. um, in the future, most yeah. definitely. In fact, some of my next projects will be will be engaging with some um, really excellent Indigenous filmmakers from around Australia. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Cornell, do you want to fill our listeners in uh, about uh, what our law is about uh, in your own words? Uh, so our law came about, um, uh, so last year UNESCO's theme was the year of Indigenous language. Mm. And so we heard about this, the first Indigenous run police station that was using language as a tool to diffuse situations and bridge the communication gap. And so we were lucky enough that Screen West and NITV supported us and funded us to explore this um, uh, initiative that WA Police had um, out in Warakuna. And so we got to follow two police officers, two Noongar police officers from Perth, uh, Sergeant Wendy Kelly and Sergeant Revis Ryder. And we get to see how they... You know, um, operate this really remote beat of um, working out in remote Western Australia. Mm. Uh, in your director's statement, you talk a bit about your deep mistrust of the police uh, that you had as a teenager. Can you elaborate on that a bit uh, for our listeners and tell us how, how uh, your respect for the police evolved as you got older? Sadly, I still have a mistrust of the police. Yep. Um, just... Uh, well, not really recent, but last year, just walking to work. Um, so I work at Sydney University and, um, you know, I drop my kids off to daycare and then I walk walk to work. I was pulled aside uh, by police officers here in Sydney and um, it was, uh, uh, I fit, you know, the description. Mm. Um, and they pulled me aside and so I said, you know, so what's my name, you know, who's, what's the name of the guy you're looking for? And they said, uh, John or something, I can't remember what it was. I was a bit flustered at the time. And I said, well, that's not me. Here's my ID, you know, and clearly on my ID, I'm not the person they're looking for. And I said, so what is this description that you were given that pulled me across? And, you know, they didn't, they didn't elaborate. And then they proceeded to go, okay, just hold it, hold it for a minute. Um, we're going to, run background checks to see if you have any outstanding warrants. And so, you know, after half an hour of standing on the street with, you know, a lot of people looking at me in my local neighborhood where I go have coffee at the coffee shop and, you know, shop at, mm. they're looking at me, they've got police surrounded me, and so very much look like a criminal and had me there for half an hour. And then after that, they just said, you know, they just let me go, didn't apologize, mm. you know, Obviously, you know, clean slate. I don't have any any problems, and it was a very um, upsetting setting for me to mm. just be pulled aside because I was black. Yeah, mm. uh, both your mother and and brother are police officers, right? Yeah, that's correct. Mm. So mm. my um, um, so I have a family that are police officers. Mm. So you know, I, I hear the stories from them of, of how hard it is to police because, um, you know, they have to police. Uh, they you know. 
are part of the police, you know, machine, mm. but they still have responsibility to community and the community gives a lot of negative energy back to them because, you know, they don't see them as Indigenous officers. They see them as Indigenous officers who are police officers, so mm. they're not one of them anymore. Mm. <laughs> they're police officers. Mm. And so, yeah, so a lot of negativity to our black police officers who are, are trying the best to work with the system that they have to, um, you know, bridge that gap and make it better for us, uh, um, you know, our community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so my brother, he he experienced working as police officer in Queensland, was, you know, a bit racist over there. Mm-hmm. Um, he came back home. He, so, so he, he came back home to be with family, was out of the police force for a while, and just recently he went back into the academy at WA and graduated about two months ago. So yeah, he's back yeah. in the force again. Yeah. Uh, have either of them seen our law yet? Um, they've they've only seen snippets. So right. we, we've been we've been keeping it close to the heart, and we wanted the community to be um, get first look in and you know the buy in and make sure that they were happy with it. So they're going to see it the same time as everyone else, unfortunately. (laughs) You're listening to the Cinema Australia podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or cinemaaustralia.com.au. Taryn, how did this project come about? What what are the origins of it? Um, Okay, so I was over in Melbourne for AIDC and I happened to bump into a Perth colleague. <laughs> um, you know how it happens. Yeah, can't um, get away from us. Uh, I know, go over, go over, over um, interstate and then meet people that you know locally. So basically, so someone who I had worked with in previous years, Mr Sam Bodiefield of Periscope Pictures, and he had done a previous film on um, the most multicultural police station in, in Perth Metro. And so, uh, and he kind of, said through that experience or through that work he'd heard about this Indigenous-run police station and for me immediately I knew what that meant Mm. and I knew the significance of it Um, so I I was in pretty quickly. So he sort of said to me there's an Indigenous-run police station and before he finished a sentence I said let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's it's a radical concept, you know, if you have any understanding about Western Australian history and the history of, um, you know, of working with or, or the situations, I suppose, of over, over time of um, policing of Aboriginal people, it was profound to know that such a big step had been made mm-hmm. on, the, on the behalf of the WA Police. So it was something that I had to explore yeah. and find out more details about because it was too important. Because I come from, unlike Cornell, um, I come from some some of the rule breakers. <laughs> so for me, I was invested from the other side of, 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 you know, it was about coming, you know, understanding a bit more about the better ways to do business because some of, the, some of the, the, the situations where my family has been arrested or pulled up um, was definitely motivated by racism mm-hmm. not about criminal behavior if you know what I'm saying yeah so it, yeah you know it definitely was was something that I'm really grateful to Sam for bringing it uh, bringing the project um, and really you know it really proud of what we've been able to achieve in in 
over that year. Mm. Uh, let's talk about the, the show itself or our law itself uh, for a bit. Uh, we don't hear much about what the town was like before the arrival of uh, Revis and Wendy, but we do get a sense that, that things have changed quite a bit. Uh, are you able to tell us a bit about the dynamics between the police and the community prior to the arrival of uh, Revis and Wendy? So from my understanding, the police officers were there just to do their job and they didn't interact with the community. Um, so, you know, they they get a call out, they go out and they would just enforce the law. And, and you know, English is like a second, maybe third, fourth language out there in the community. Um, so you're going to have communication breakdowns. And um, so, you know, a lot of that led to, um, you know, situation escalating and then you'd have arrests um and so the difference i guess now is wendy and revis are learning the language of the land so they're actively um being taught by elders like daisy daisy ward and uh mr newbury um language and culture and through that interaction of language and culture there's they're connecting with the community and the community are really accepting of them. And now Wendy and Revis, with the limited knowledge that they know of the language, can go out to a situation, use language, diffuse the situation, and you know, you're getting less arrest. And I think that's the big difference, that, that the communication, the mm-hmm. understanding, and I mean, that's, that's what's at the heart of the story is basic respect and understanding. Mm-hmm. And if you can get that deeper listening, you build real connections. And yeah, and that's what I believe, well, I hope audience will take away from the story. Mm. Uh, one of the ways that Revis, as an example, uh, interacts with this community is that he's the footy, uh, the football coach. Um, and, and seeing those scenes brought a real smile to my face uh, to see how, how much everyone enjoyed uh, playing that, that barefoot, raw football. Um, it was a fantastic scene. Um, you, you spoke a bit about uh, language, uh, and a big part of this is Wendy and Revis uh, taking the time to learn the local languages. Did you two attempt to learn some of those languages as well during filming? You are. <laughs> <laughs> that means yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. Well, I think that from my point of view, that's part of, you know, for me it's a, an absolute privilege to to be invited to different places around WA including and especially including Warakuna and to be embraced and to, to for people to share their culture and language with us mm. so you always do leave leave places with a bit with um, at least a handful of words mm. <laughs> Cornell did yeah. you did you yeah I, I, I did uh, get to learn a bit of bit of words mm. that were similar to what we have up north oh, so there's so what I learned from Mr. Newbury was the the connection by the the you know the trade route and song lines is that um, where I'm from where we're connected to their story, and um, you know sitting down with Mr. Newbury he's he's asking who I am where I'm from, and we we find this connection that he and my grandfather up north are uh, great friends and he used to live up oh. north with him. Amazing. And, and so you know just that. We, we had that um, chance to connect with the community prior to filming. So Taryn and I and Sa- Sam got to go out to the community, you know, a couple of months prior to filming mm. to just get those permissions, um, 
find out what they wanted wanted to tell and we wanted to build that rapport and those you know connections with them before we told their story so that we could get it right and and um, do the story justice mm-hmm. uh, there's quite a moving uh, scene in the film uh, it's uh, the ceremony following the young motorbike rider's death and um, it was it was quite moving and and um, and I was I was a little bit ignorant and uh, surprised by how welcoming the and supportive the community was of helping these outsiders grieve. Um, and I say surprised because there's a sign coming into town saying, tourists, wrong way, go back. Um, Taryn, can you describe this moment in, in our law for us and, and your experiences filming it? Um, absolutely. Um, well, that, that particular... Tra- tragedy and trauma happened a bit before we had arrived in um, Warakuna right. um, and r- respects to the, those families and thank you for letting us um, cover their story and the community's um, respect for their tragedy in the in the project but but how we wanted to cover it was to show that um, so this this these people had two two they were part of a, a motorcycle group who were traveling around Australia, not indigenous group. And um, of the the bunch of guys that there were, two of them actually passed away in a really short period of time to each other, like over a 24 hour period or something. So it was really um, it was a it was a big a big thing for both the community and the families, of course. Um, but what what happened in that instance is the community, called out to um, Senior Sergeant Revis Ryder and Sergeant Wendy Kelly and said, we need to do something for that family. Um, and it was actually about doing something culturally appropriate from their point of view, which is to to um, to share that experience, but to also let people know that the country is safe. So there was a, a couple of reasons. It was about going through grief together but it was also about saying that the country will look after you if you come here. So there's not nothing to be afraid of. That's um, a beautiful saying. Yeah, and it was it was it was something that Wendy and Revis. I mean, I, I will say their first names. That they it, it found, you know, once they got their permissions from their side, from the police side, it was something that they sort of, you know, they they work above and beyond. Um, these police officers, and they they basically help facilitate um, that that grieving process or that sorry time with the families, and um, captured it and shared it with us. Mm. So we're really grateful to to be able to share the the respect for all people mm. that Indigenous people have. You know, they don't just care about their own. They care about anyone that comes into their country or they want to. They want to connect, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it was it was a you know, really remarkable story that we wanted to bring to light. Mm. Cornell, is there anything that you'd want to add about that scene? Yeah, just, just the investment that the commissioner had with it as well. He um, was fully on board and he came out to the actual ceremony. Mm-hmm. So you could see... Um, positive steps on behalf of WA police and really, you know, really invested in repairing or restoring those, um, you know, broken relationships. And it, it was a gesture that he did in his own time and he didn't have to go out there, but it just, just being there just as a, as a positive sign, I think. 
knowing that you know you know there's a lot of you know, um things that you know it uh, i don't know how to say um you wouldn't think about it in a general sense it's just a it's just a funeral it's just a ceremony but having that high profile officer at that funeral just as an indication of how much they invested in making things right i believe i feel like there's potential here for a much larger series following uh, these two officers <laughs> on their journey uh, is that something Ooh, that, that, you that you've thought about is, is there something in the works or? Oh, this is um, hot off the press, but there is definitely um, some some movement towards series development. Absolutely. Oh, fantastic! That's great. Yeah, news. No, yeah. No, we, we definitely try. Sam and I um, are, are sort of in the stage now where we're looking at uh, we're doing a research leg, um, and we really want to try and continue to do our. It will further our relationship with the WA Police and and explore and get a bit more into. Um, some sort of some of the other bigger issues that are, that happen around the state, mm, and mm. really open it up a bit more now that we've got this access with the police and grow that up because we think that this this screen, I mean, part of the reason I'm in this industry is because of the potential for engagement for people that maybe previously weren't engaged. Yeah. So the opportunity is there, and we're going for it. Fantastic. Brilliant. So, yes, what your space on that. <laughs> That's great news. Um, I'm sure. Oops, sorry. Yes, great Australia. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's disappointing for you both uh, not to get, uh, you know, a big screen cinema release uh, during the Sydney Film Festival, but I'm sure you're just as happy that it will reach a wider audience through these online screenings. How excited were you both that it was selected for Sydney Film Festival? S super excited. Mm -hmm. I, I'm <laughs> I'm just glad that um, we're getting a larger platform to share the story with. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, just because it's the WA-based story, you know, I think the rest of Australia can benefit from it. Yeah. And, um, you know, being part of the Sydney Film Festival lineup, that's that's a great achievement. Um, but, you know, it's the whole reason we get into, you know, reason why we do this is to get those stories out and to have a big platform like that is great mm. i mean That's we're also great. we're also getting a premiere on um nitv after the film festival yes. i think it's uh second of june yep um <laughs> yep. yep uh part of um carla grant presents on um 8 30 22nd of june so for those who you know missed it missed it at the film festival is still an opportunity for you to watch it mm. and um it's I'm really happy for the community, Wendy and Ravis, because, you know, it, it, it could be a story that could have gone unnoticed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to have all those details on our websites. Uh, so if you are listening to this and you do want to see it, uh, we'll have all those details at uh, cinemaaustralia.com.au. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, uh, you two. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, congratulations on such, a, such an insightful and uh, engaging project. Thank Wonderful. you. Thank you, man. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you for listening to the Cinema Australia podcast. You can keep up to date with all the latest Australian film news, reviews, features and interviews at cinemaaustralia.com.au.